if your if your model within the law firm is um, uh, eat what you kill, and the only thing by which you're evaluated is billable hours, what senior partner is going to take his or her time to teach a first or second or third year law student uh, how to be a better lawyer? They're not going to do it. This is Lawyer to Lawyer, the award-winning legal podcast with J. Craig Williams and Robert Ambrogi. West Coast meets East Coast, and yes, they are attorneys, bringing you the latest legal news and observations every week with the leading experts in the legal profession. Lawyer to Lawyer is sponsored by Law.com, produced right here on the Legal Talk Network. Welcome to Lawyer to Lawyer on the Legal Talk Network. We're glad you could listen today. This is Bob Ambrogi, broadcasting from Boston, Massachusetts. And I'm Craig Williams from typically sunny Southern California. It's been cloudy June gloom a little bit. I write a legal blog called May It Please the Court and have a book out called How to Get Sued. Bob? And I write the blogs Law Sites and Media Law and also Legal Blog Watch for Law.com. And, uh, of course, today's show is sponsored by Clio and by Landy Insurance. Uh, well, Craig, uh, as you well know, we've done a number of shows highlighting the impact of the recession on the legal profession. Uh, we've talked a lot about the uh, impact it's had on younger lawyers and first-year associates. Uh, but as this situation continues, we're hearing more about uh, – more experienced attorneys or even senior attorneys uh, feeling uh, some of the pinch and what may be somewhat of a, a cultural change within within the profession. Well, Bob, for instance, one law firm, Wilmer Hale, has instituted a new career advancement program requesting senior attorneys to participate in the program. And under that new program, associates and counsel are either promoted within specific timeframes or told to pursue other careers. Well, uh we're going to talk about senior lawyers today on Lawyer to Lawyer, and uh, to help us do that, uh, we have a couple of guests, one of them who perhaps uh, uh, in, a, in a bit of poetic justice has just returned to his office from having participated in a, a senior Olympics uh, cycling event, a 10K cycling event, uh, and hardly breaking a sweat, apparently. So we're glad to have with us first off today, Ed Pohl, who's, of course, a lawyer, uh, MBA, CMC recognized expert in law practice management. Ed helps attorneys and law firms increase profitability, coaching them on issues of internal operations, practice development, and financial matters. Ed enables lawyers to be more effective with their clients with less stress for both the lawyer and the client. He's practiced law for 25 years, has coached lawyers for 20 years, the author of 12 leading books in a law practice management field. And I can attest from my own experience working with Ed in the past that he's written any number of articles for uh, newspapers that I've worked at. So uh, welcome to the program, Ed Pohl. Thanks, Bob and Craig. It's a pleasure to be here. And Bob, our next guest is Stephen Seckler, who is president of Seckler Legal Consulting. He's a lawyer who spent the last 20 years consulting with other lawyers, law firms, and corporate departments. Currently, he helps his corporate and law firm clients to effectively outsource legal work in order to control legal expenses. 
During his time as a consultant, he's recruited partners, associates, and in-house counsel. He's also coached dozens of lawyers on a variety of career and marketing issues, from senior partners at large law firms to sole practitioners. He also writes the blog, Counsel to Counsel. Well, welcome to Lawyer to Lawyer, Stephen Seckler. Thanks for having me. Well, let's start with um, what's out there in the field. What are you seeing uh, in terms of, we've seen a lot of layoffs of associates and it's been difficult for young lawyers graduating from law school to get jobs. It seems like uh, maybe even senior partners are not immune from this economic downturn. What's your impression? Well, I think that's true, Craig. Um, nobody is immune today. Uh, for the first time in, I think, the history of the legal profession, you've got uh, senior lawyers uh, being terminated for one reason or another. You've got uh, associates who are either up or out very quickly, and the up is becoming more difficult to attain. And you've got new graduates who are first hired and then told not to report to work. Um, It's a disaster out there uh, in terms of the marketplace. But I think that law firms are finally realizing that they are a service business uh, and they are in, as I phrase it, the business of law. And they have to run their operation as any good business must. And they have to be cognizant of not only the revenue but also the costs. And I think that's really what's happening today. I would agree with that. And, uh, you know, I, I would just add that we're just to sort of sum it up, this is an equal opportunity recession. It's affecting all aspects of the legal profession. And while it does seem quite gloomy out there, um, in some ways it's opening up some new opportunities uh, that people might not have explored in the past. So we don't want the listeners out there to think that, you know, this is the end of the legal profession. It may be a change from the legal profession that we know, but it but it's not the end of, of the need for legal services, far from it. And I think what Steve is saying is that he, when we look at it from the individual's perspective, it's a real, it's a real problem, um, and disaster can hit home, especially when you live from paycheck to paycheck. But when you look at it from the firm's perspective, there's a phrase that I've heard used many times now, and that is, don't waste the crisis. Law firms are looking at this to see how it is that they can create a more effective and more efficient operation. Well, the news last week was, was as we mentioned in the opening, uh, Wilmer Hale, uh, Wilmer Cutler Pickering Hale Endor, which has been telling some of its more experienced lawyers that uh, come next fall, uh, they might be showing them the door. Uh, and they, you know, apparently this was a program that was put into place some time ago, uh, but uh, clearly uh, the economy seems to be pushing it. Uh, how, how typical is this? Is this something that's unique to, to, uh, uh, to Wilmer Cutler, Pickering, Hale, and Dora, or are we seeing this in other firms? Do you know, Ed? Have you seen any of this? Well, you know, if we can go back uh, last year, a couple of years ago, when Sidley Austin laid off a batch of senior partners and the EEOC said, no, no, that was age discrimination and you cannot do that. I think that that kind of litigation from those who are really tipped off by a layoff or termination or firing or whatever you want to call it, the equitization, will become more prevalent. 
However, as I look at uh, the Wilbur Hale situation, I think that they're different because what they did, at least as I understand it from the outside, is that they said, look, um, these are the standards by which we operate. And you have to do this, that, and the other. And I suppose uh, one of the elements in their, in their program is that you have to bring in a certain amount of new business, new revenue, not just billable work, meaning that they have to be rainmakers. And if I read between the lines, it seems as though they're offering uh, material, they're offering uh, mentoring, they're offering uh, a teaching uh, modality, if you will, to help those lawyers become rainmakers. That's different than just laying people off. And so I think that if you give people the tools to become uh, better at what they do, to, to have tools to reach the goals and standards that you set, that you're doing something that others have not done. And there is nothing wrong, in my opinion at any rate, to say, hey, look, th- these were the rules of the game before, but the game has changed and we have new rules now, but we're going to help you uh, play the game by teaching you the new rules. And I think that that's what they did that is different than what I've seen before. I would say also, though, that it's it's not necessarily so different than the traditional up-or-out model. It's just sort of almost adding a new um, you know factor that really uh, must be in place, this sort of ability to, to bring real work to the table uh, with maybe a more formalized program of evaluating. I mean, I think where a lot of law firms have, have not been very good um, compared to other businesses is in helping the professionals at the firm kind of understand where they where they stand and, and, and having benchmarks that they can achieve to sort of progress. Uh, you know, you, you come into a firm as an associate and then, you know, eight years later, you know, there's an up or down vote of whether or not you're going to be um, maybe a non-equity partner and then a few years after that equity partner. But eight years is an awfully long time to go without uh, having anything to achieve. So so having a more rigorous um, process of kind of looking at where people stand in their careers and what skills they have and what they, what they lack and what they will need to succeed at a particular institution is just good. That's just good human resources. Well, this also exposes the fact, uh, I think for a lot of people, uh, their sense of, uh, of at least a larger law firm is that that it, that it kind of uh, exists of two classes, associates and equity partners. And, and of course, uh, law firm structures are often more complex than that and have uh, various layers of, of uh, uh, staff attorneys, of, of counsel, of equity, non-equity partners. Um, so, I mean, how does that play into this? Are, are, the, are the lawyers who are there as perhaps staff attorneys or uh, uh, non-equity partners, are they uh, more secure or less secure? Are they more likely to be feeling the effect of the economy? Well, I think they're probably going to feel the effect of the economy to a greater extent because they're sort of on the outside. They're not part of the team. But I think also that those law firms that... Um, are the eat-what-you-kill kind of law firms are perhaps themselves most at risk. It seems to me, you know, and this assumes, actually, that um, they are 
not following the corporate model. Those law firms that really look at their clients and follow the model of their clients, i.e. become corporate, um, model, use the corporate model, and by that I mean they are team players, they, they seek to collaborate with their client, they develop internally in, in, in the form of, of teams, not merely just a hotel for sole practitioners. Uh, those are the law firms that are going to succeed, it seems to me, in the future. And the lawyer that is within that environment will be able to benefit from what Steve was talking about, if I read between the lines, and that is that there are benchmarks uh, within the firm for success. In other words, by the end of the first year, you've got to do thus and thus and thus. By the end of the second year, you've got to achieve these levels and so forth. And when you do that and when you achieve those levels, I think you're going to be secure. One of the problems today, I think, especially for the first eight years, as you mentioned, is that there is there, there may be a review of the lawyer's work, but not of his progress or her progress within the firm. And I think those are the people that are the most insecure in today's environment. Is this something that's being taught in law schools? Are we seeing uh, students come out of law school unprepared to be able to deal with this aspect of the law practice? No, they're not taught... They're, they're not taught anything about how to be a good lawyer in law school. I mean, I don't know about your experience, but when I graduated law school, I was pretty good at being able to read an appellate brief. But I didn't know where the courthouse was. I didn't know how to conduct a trial. I didn't know how to act with my peers, my colleagues within the law firm. Uh, all that was on-the-job training. And I don't think that it's any different today from what I've observed I mean, I've gone to a number of major law schools within my own community and offered to teach law practice management courses. And, and the deans of the schools say, that's not academic. That's, you know, that's too pragmatic. That's too practical. We're not a trade school. Is this something then that falls to the law firms? and our law, what, what do law firms need to be doing to encourage their, you know, I guess this is something that needs to start in the first year. It does if you want to succeed. But then if, you, if, you're, if your model within the law firm is um, uh, eat what you kill, and the only thing by which you're evaluated is billable hours, what senior partner is going to take his or her time to teach a first or second or third year law student uh, how to be a better lawyer? They're not going to do it. And only if you have, like Wilbur Hale, or if you have some of the law firms that are waking up and actually having like an MBA executive program as part of their, their, their operation, uh, only those law firms are sensitive to this issue and are trying to do something about it. And uh, I forgot the name of the firm now, but they are reducing the starting salary of the first-year lawyers, and they're taking them and putting them in a one- or two-year uh, program to become good lawyers and they're either charging their clients a nominal sum or not at all for the time that these lawyers are, are working at the firm on those matters because clients today don't want to pay to educate the first and second year lawyers. Yeah, it becomes more of like a, um, a management training program. Right. That's you know, been common practice for many years in other industries. Steve, what, what are you seeing in your consulting business, are you getting uh, any senior lawyers uh, coming to you? Or are you getting law firms coming to you to, to talk about these issues? Uh, and if so, what are you telling them? 
Well, I'm certainly talking to a lot of lawyers who are nervous about their 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 futures. And what's interesting is that it kind of cuts across the board. I mean, I find that even uh, people who've been in practice for a long time and have had successful practices are, are nervous and are not necessarily as busy as they would like to be. So it kind of goes across from, you know, the most senior to the most junior lawyer where the where the concerns are. Um, I I would say that uh, a lot of law firms are sort of hunkering down and they're just they're they're mostly focusing on how do they manage their headcounts and I think, you know, this effort to speed up the process of, of moving senior lawyers out um, is part of that because senior senior lawyers cost the firm a lot. Uh, they produce, you know, very strong revenues when things are busy, but when things are slow, you know, they're they're costing the firm a lot, so they they become a, a sitting target. Well, I mean, we did a show. We did a show. Uh, what was it? Almost a year ago, I think. We, we talked to some one guy, a, a younger lawyer who had who had been laid off. Uh, not all that old of a guy, but wasn't able to find work in the legal profession after that. And he was, when we talked to him, he was selling furniture in a Boston area furniture store. I'm not sure what's happened to him since, but you know, an older lawyer, a mid-career lawyer, it's got to be somewhat traumatic uh, if they do in fact lose their job or, or face a layoff. Uh, What are, what are the opportunities for somebody in that position? Well, as I, as I was saying uh, before that, although it does seem like doom and gloom, there is some opportunity out there. I mean, one of the things that large law firms are not necessarily as good at as smaller law firms is in in changing and adapting quickly. And uh, there's a lot of pressure right now coming from particularly um, corporate law departments um, to try to get legal costs under control. So while 10 years ago everybody was writing about the death of the mid-sized law firm, now uh, those firms seem to be sitting in a better position in terms of the pricing that they can charge to corporate counsel. So what that means is, is that although things may not look so so bright right now for the individual who's just been shown the door and doesn't have a book of business, um, they do have one competitive edge, which is that they don't have a, a lot of overhead uh, and they can get out and sell the same services for a, a more modest fee. And if a, you know, what I advise the people that I coach uh, on business development to do is to, you know, look for opportunities like that where if you meet corporate counsel and find out that they're concerned about the amount of money they're spending on, you know, their legal budget, their outside legal budget, there may be an opportunity for you to come in and and provide high quality services like you did for the, you know, the top brand name firm that you work for at a, at a much uh, lower rate. I think one of, one of the things that I also uh, find uh, you know, a lot of people who are in the situation have never been in the situation before, and they're, you know, by definition senior. Uh, they're not accustomed to being out of work, and it really is a blow to the ego. So I think what a lot of people need a lot of help with is in understanding and, and recognizing and remembering that just because the name Wilmer Hale is no longer on their business card, it doesn't mean that they don't have a long list of accomplishments and a lot to offer. Uh, that doesn't go away. Uh, and so sometimes working with a, a coach can help, you know, give person an individual that the kind of support they need to kind of make it through that transition. What does transitioning these senior lawyers do out to do to the law firms? Does it uh, affect the culture? Does it affect the knowledge base? Uh, what kind of results are you seeing now that some of these lawyers are being excused? Well, I, I think that 
you know, I think it's pretty unhealthy for morale, actually, when this is happening, because you've got everybody up and down the food chain saying, you know, there but for the good graces of God go I. And if people don't see a future, they're going to be less committed to the to the institution. And if they see, you know, as people get more senior, if they if they don't, you know, generate a million or two million dollars worth of business that they're going to be out the door, that's going to make a you know your average smart person think, gee, I'm not so sure that there's a future here for me. So um, I don't I don't think you know in the short term it's a very good thing for the culture of a firm to have this happening. On the other hand. From a financial and economic standpoint, the organization has to continue to survive. And if work is slow, uh, you know, we all know that businesses need to uh, match uh, income against expenses. And if the expenses are too high, that can't happen forever. So, you know, the law firms do need to do something. And their biggest cost is, of course, salaries. So it's kind of a delicate balance looking at, you know, who's really slow and what's not likely to come back, and who have we invested in in the past, and will we continue to support going forward, um, knowing that you know the business will come back. Part of it is just gambling, of course, and guesswork. We're going to take a short break. Uh, when we return, we will hear more from Ed Pohl and Steve Seckler. Imagine how much easier managing your practice would be if your practice management software was web-based. Your practice would be available anywhere you have an internet connection, completely secure, backed up continuously, and most importantly, easy to use, allowing you to spend your valuable time building your practice instead of managing technology. Start simplifying your practice today with Clio. Sign up for a free, fully functional 30-day trial at www.goclio.com. Use promotional code L2L for a 25% discount. Right from the beginning, you know, I knew I was important. Can you say that about the insurance agency helping to protect your legal practice? Lawyers like Rebecca Brody are confident working with the Herbert H. Landy Insurance Agency, knowing they have the best professional liability insurance coverage for the best possible price. It is about customer service. I think that's what we like to promote in our business. You know, we did have some kind of specialty questions. We did have some concerns. It was really great, and it really felt like if I'm that well taken care of, it made it possible for me to go and take care of, you know, take care of my business and take care of my clients. Give us a call at 800-336-5422 or visit our website at landy.com. That's L-A-N-D-Y dot com. 60 years of experience. Well, welcome back to Lawyer to Lawyer on the Legal Talk Network. We'd like to welcome back Ed Pohl, a recognized expert in law practice management, and Stephen Seckler, president of Seckler Legal Consulting. We've been talking about the effect of uh, the departure of some senior attorneys from some law firms as a consequence of the economic downturn. And it reminds me, Bob, of a question that we asked and the results that we got from an international interview we did earlier in the year, um, perhaps I think even in a little bit of last year, where there were some London firms uh, where this situation was going on and the employees got together and said, we'll all take the hit together in order to keep the lawyers at our firm employed. Ed and Steve, have you seen anything like that in the United States? I haven't seen it here yet. Uh, I know there's a lot of talk about that happening in government. 
and even in some industries, but not in the legal profession. And you've got sort of a dichotomy here because when you have law firms, the large law firms in particular, that are focused on their profit per partner as a metric, almost like the P.E. ratio of corporations, um, it's hard for the staff to be sympathetic to the lawyers. And when um, law firms are measured by AMLA standards of profit per partner and they're using that as a tool for attracting lateral moves to their law firm, again, staff become very unsympathetic. And so part of the layoffs are occurring not so much because uh, of the the uh, the need to, as as Steve said earlier, uh, balance the 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 the, the uh, revenue with the expenses, but rather to keep that PE ratio, so to speak, higher. Um, and so you, you run into that problem. That that really comes in to the idea of you know eating what you kill versus viewing this as a full law firm as a as a business institution and and the law firms have to be careful because it's one thing to to reduce expenses or set another way cut fat where they've got too much uh overhead uh for the business that they have currently but when they start reducing to reduce their ability to react if and when their revenue picks up again. So it's a balancing act. I, I mean, just to, you know, I, I was actually going to pull that same quote that Ed used early on about uh, never, you know, wasting an opportunity in a crisis. I think Rahm, and, Rahm Emanuel, the advisor to President Obama, uh, is widely quoted with having said that and, and employing that currently in trying to help, you know, move through some of Obama's policies very quickly. Um, I think that, um, you know, law firms are using this opportunity uh, to maybe, you know, move out some partners that they've, that they've, you know, maybe wanted to move out, uh, you know, and didn't really have an opportunity or an excuse to do so. But um, in terms of cutting, cutting the bone in addition to the fat, you know, I, I do think uh, I, I was in the recruiting business for many years, and uh, you know, right now uh, it's widely recognized that the legal recruiting business is is pretty pretty down. Um, but I have a hunch that in about 12 months, 18 months, things are going to look pretty good because it does seem like firms are having to cut more than they they really uh, should. That they're going to be finding themselves short of of the talent that they need, you know, when work does come back. I was going to jump in there, Bob, with a question because I wanted to ask the practical advice at this point. You know, we've got a little bit of time remaining in the show. So let's say that the managing general partner from your law firm shows up in your office, closes the door, sits down, says, you know, it's time to move on. What advice do you give that lawyer who's being shown the door? What are the practical steps they need to take at at that point? Well, I think one of the things that they've got to do, Craig, is to make sure that um, there's a policy in place, if you will, like Wilbur Hale has uh, discussed, and that is, A, you set standards that you want to achieve, 
and B, you, you enable the lawyers in your firm uh, to have the education to, to reach those standards. That's number one. Number two is that you make sure whatever your um, termination policy is, that it's published and it's clearly understood and it's evenly or even-handedly administered so that you're not accused of age discrimination. I mean, one of the problems that some of the law firms are having, it seems to me, is that they're looking at who is getting the larger dollar uh, compensation and, you know, just lopping that off. And that tends to be the older, more senior lawyer. And that is just ripe for an age discrimination lawsuit. Uh, so I think you've got to be real careful there. If you're going to change the standards so that your compensation is based on, on merit, on uh, business generation, not just on billable hours, you've got to allow, allow some time frame for the adjustment. Those are the two points that I think that they've got to look at most carefully and first before they start doing other things. And if I could chime in with advice for the individual lawyer who finds themselves in this situation, um, you know, there's a couple of points that I'd like to make. First, uh, having been in the search business for many years and seeing seeing lawyers make lots of career transitions, it's been my observation that although uh, a crisis, which this is for any individual who's losing their job, uh, you know, seems overwhelming, um, many lawyers end up happier once they are outside of a large law firm environment and having more control over their destiny in a much smaller environment. Uh, secondly, don't underestimate the uh, value of the relationships that you do have in the firm and don't hide under a rock. Try to you know, accept offers of help and use the names that people are willing to share with you as networking resources. You have a lot of goodwill built up where you are and you should make good use of it. And if one wants to be cynical, uh, I suppose you could also say that the partners that are left behind are probably feeling a little bit guilty and are, are eager to see you succeed. Then, uh, in addition to that, if you uh, do end up in private practice in a either small firm situation of counsel to another firm somewhere, um, understand that uh, your old firm may very well become a good referral source for you. Um, I always um, tell my coaching clients that are at big firms that if they leave a big firm, um, they sort of have a big firm referral base to help launch their practice. A lot of times big firms are sort of you know, constrained in terms of the types of clients they can work with and the billing rates that they are allowed to accept. So certain work will never end up in Wilmer Hale's offices, but it needs to go somewhere. And so you being the most recent person that worked with these other partners are uh, a very possible referral source. So there is a lot of opportunity. And then uh, finally, try to think you know, creatively right now in the marketplace, there's a lot of push to try to come up with alternative billing arrangements. It's certainly something that corporate counsel are talking about a lot. And large law firms are having trouble getting away from the billable hour. If you could find ways to, at least in some capacity, um, create more certainty in your billing arrangements, you may find that clients are going to gravitate towards you. I would add one other thing that I think from an individual's perspective is essential, and that is get your ego out of the way. This is not personal. This is um, 
uh, endemic to the society at the moment and do not make decisions just based on the ego. One of the things that I found having taught entrepreneurship for 30 years at the university is that people fall in love with the idea of becoming their own boss, whether it be to become a sole practitioner once you've been terminated from a large firm or in some other mechanism, becoming a boss, uh, an owner of a law firm. You've got to make sure that you create not only a career plan for yourself at that point, but also a business plan. Make sure that you have enough assets to do what you want to do in the next phase of your life and don't make a, a rash decision that's going to put your life savings at risk. Ed and Steve, we've just about reached the end of the program where it's time for us to wrap up and get your final thoughts and your contact information. So if you would please briefly, uh, since we're running a little short on time, uh, Steve, take it away. I would summarize by just saying that although things might look gloomy, particularly for someone who's never faced a crisis like this, that you can get through this and there are people out there who are both informally and uh, formally willing to help you. So reach out for help and look to your friends and family for support. And your contact information for our listeners? Uh, the best way to find me is on my website, seckler.com. That's S-E-C-K-L-E-R.com. Great. And Ed? Uh, your listeners can reach me at edpoll, E-D-P-O-L-L, at lawbiz, L-A-W-B-I-Z, dot com or go to our lawbizblog.com or our new uh, community of lawyers, lawbizforum.com. I would also say that, as has been quoted in literature, the opening line of a famous book um, goes something like, these are the worst of times, these are the best of times. I think change creates opportunity. It's an opportunity for individual lawyers to reevaluate their career uh, the next phase of their life, what they want to do. Uh, every morning I wake up, I say, you know, what do I want to do with the rest of my life? I think this is an opportunity for individual lawyers to ask that question and come up with their answers. Likewise, with law firms, it's an opportunity to bring revenues in line with expenses again and the direction of their law firms. Uh, law is a helping and caring uh, environment. Uh, lawyers help people, and people in this environment need more help from lawyers than ever before. So there's lots of opportunity there for us. Great. Well, thank you very much, Ed, and thank you, Steve. Bob, that does it for this week's Lawyer to Lawyer. To our listeners, remember you can check out all of our Lawyer to Lawyer shows at LegalTalkNetwork.com. And let me add my thanks to Ed and Steve for taking the time to be with us. A very interesting discussion. Good insights from both of them. And uh, our listeners, we're also on the uh, in the podcast library on iTunes. And Craig, I look forward to talking to you again next week. And we'll be back then to talk about another great legal topic. When you think legal, think lawyer to lawyer. Thanks for listening to Lawyer to Lawyer with J. Craig Williams and Robert Ambrogi. Every week, a new legal topic that you won't want to miss. We hope you'll listen again and check out our other shows on the Legal Talk Network. Lawyer to Lawyer has been sponsored by Law.com.
The Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast, your resource for the tips and tactical advice you need to grow your business. Plus, keep up with the news and commentary you crave to stay one step ahead. It's hosted by me, Guy Sakalakis. And me, Conrad Song. Every other week, we break down the issues holding back your marketing strategy and talk about the changes you need to be prepared for. Check out the Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube.